presence right now. That's it. He is in the room right now. Hallelujah. He is in your home right now. Could we just entertain that presence of the Lord right now? That's it. Where you are, would you lift your voices to Him in praise right now? Lord, we entertain your presence. Lord, we entertain your goodness right now. Lord, move right now in our homes, in our lives. Lord, move, Lord, right now where we are as we worship you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is indeed an honor to feel that presence of the Lord. And I know that he is working right now. Continue to open your hearts in faith. And I know he will bless and strengthen. I want to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Amen. We uh, are feeling the presence of the Lord in this room. And I know you are there in your homes. Matthew chapter 7. And uh, I want to read beginning with verse 24. And I want to read a few verses if you have your Bibles out there, join in with me. And uh, it would be good to bring your Bible to your living room or wherever you're watching this. Uh, whatever form you use, whether it's a printed Bible or whether it's on your phone or however you read the Bible, bring a Bible to church. And uh, this is church for now, so bring your Bible and uh, join along and read with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And Jesus said this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I want to preach to you this morning something I feel is appropriate for us at this time as families, as individuals, as a church, as a city. And I want to preach simply this today, built to last, built to last. Now, if you're there in your living room with someone, would you grab them by the hand? I want us to pray a focused prayer right now and pray that the word of the Lord would, would penetrate all of our hearts and that it would find fertile ground in our hearts. It's not entertainment. This won't be the most eloquent sermon you've heard. There are others probably you could even find today. But this is New Life Austin. And this is His Word for us today. And I want us to pray that that Word would find a fertile piece of ground in our hearts. And that it would take root and that it would grow and blossom. Could we do that together now, Jesus? I pray for your hearers right now, wherever they are, all across this city. 
Lord, you know the challenges that we are facing as a people. You know the challenges families are facing. God, I pray that I pray that your word would find open, hungry hearts of fertile ground. I pray also for me, the speaker, Lord. I pray that you would, Lord, speak through me, Lord, a message that you would have your people here today. I pray you would bless and strengthen. Our hope is in you right now. We trust you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. We rest in you. Our hope is in you today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't you turn and give someone a high five you're next to. Amen. You can welcome them to church. And if you just had one of those stragglers just walk into your living room and show up for church, welcome them. Jesus, in this passage, presented two approaches to life. Two men built houses. Evidently, these houses, now it's a parable, but it's a story. It's not a historical account, but it's a parable. But uh, the point of the story is he's setting up a scenario. He's setting up this illustration. And evidently, these houses are, well, evidently in the same town. Evidently, the houses were for practical purposes, indistinguishable. One was not made of some different sort of materials than the other. They were houses that were, well, they were similar to each other. Both houses endured the same circumstances. Both houses were subject to the same environment. Beautiful weather in the springtime, in the summer, in the early falls graced both of these houses. Both houses enjoyed the daily sunrise and the daily sunset. Both saw the changing of the seasons. Within each, there were the joys of family. There were were the things that go on in any home. There was laughter and conversations around a table. There were the sounds of children at play. Both of these houses also endured the harsher elements of the weather. The rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew and beat on both of these houses. This reminds us that we all live in the same world, whether you are believer or unbeliever, whether you are agnostic or atheist, whether you are Christian or Muslim, whether you are Hindu or Sikh. No matter who you are and where you are around the world, we all live in the same world and we share common experiences with our brothers and sisters in humanity. In this same sermon, this is the Sermon on the Mount, in this same sermon, Jesus said, God makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends His reign on the just and on the unjust. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, referring to current events, two current events of the day, where people had actually died, Jesus underscored the reality that life happens to everyone. He says in Luke 13, there were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than other Galileans? 
In other words, did this bad thing happen to them because they were evil? Because they suffered such things? And Jesus said, I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. And then he gives another example from contemporary circumstances. He said, or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? And he says, I tell you no. In other words, Jesus is saying that if you live life, you're going to experience things like everyone else experienced things. And in spite of our best plans, and in spite of the things that we intend to do, or in spite of our failures to plan, life unfolds in ways that we don't necessarily expect or that we haven't really planned for. The wise man in Ecclesiastes said this. He said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. In other words, there's other things going on at play here in the world. It's not always the fast that win. It's not always the strong that conquer. Nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to all. The beloved 23rd Psalm that we cherish and that we share with our Jewish brothers and sisters, this, this beloved Psalm that we have that we have recited and sang in so many times and at so many occasions and so many transition points in our lives, the beloved 23rd Psalm reminds us that we sometimes walk through valleys. And sometimes we must survive in the presence of our enemies. James opens his epistle in this fashion and he reminds us that we are not exempt from trials, but rather that there is good that can come out of trials. And he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In Jesus' parable, two men built houses. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on both houses. It, the, the, the circumstances weren't, weren't discriminating. The circumstances weren't related to the nature of, of the men's lives. The circumstances didn't, didn't come to them because of the way they built their houses. Both men, without regard to their standing in society, both men without regard to their to their wealth, both men, without regard to their moral standing, to, without regard to their, to their record of, of, of prayer and their, their consistency in seeking God. Both men had the exact same experience in life. The same circumstance happened to both of them, but with two very different outcomes. One house stood during the storms. The other was destroyed. The difference, Jesus said, in the two houses, it wasn't the rain, it wasn't the wind, it wasn't the circumstances, it wasn't the seasons, it wasn't any of that stuff. The difference was the foundation of the house. The stress of the storms reveals the true foundations in our lives. The exterior beauties of a house do not keep it standing in a time of storm. 
the color of the paint, the floor plan, nor the beauty of the, of the lawn, the particular type of floor covering that you chose. None of that makes a house stand in a time of storm. The neighborhood means nothing in a time of storm. The proximity of your house to other beautiful houses is irrelevant when the wind begins to blow. It is only the foundation that will hold a house. A firm foundation will anchor a house, but a poor foundation will crumble along with the house. Jesus said that the rain descended and the floods, plural, the floods, plural, came and the winds, plural, blew and they beat on both houses and one house stood strong and one house was destroyed. I thought it was interesting. I don't know the exact intention of every word in a parable, and I doubt that every word in a parable has meaning. However, Jesus talks about the floods, plural, and the winds, plural. It seems that it wasn't the first storm that blew over the houses. It wasn't the first storm that caused the destruction of the houses. A house built on a faulty foundation can endure for a while. A house built on a, on a, on a bad piece of ground. It can endure a few storms. It can endure a few lives. And the deception is, is that if we can make it through a few storms, we'll make it through all storms. But the reality is, when enough floods come and when enough winds blow, at some point the foundation of the house begins to give way. And, and when it's destroyed, everyone is like, oh my goodness, what happened to this house? Or what happened to this life? What happened to the life is that there was a foundation issue. And storm after storm began to weaken it. And storm after storm began to shake it. But there came that one storm. It may not have been worse than the other storms. It may not have been more powerful than the other things that had happened. But there was that day when the straw that broke the camel's back, the little gust of wind that came through blew the house over. Why? Because the storms of life will erode away at you. And the storms of life will come and they will do damage to your life. If you don't have the proper foundation, you will be be surprised at the little gentle gust of wind that will come and knock your house over. But I also want to declare to you today that if you're built on a firm foundation, every wind can come and every wind can go. And it is a testimony that the storms you have endured in your past are testimonies that you shall endure the next storm. And if you've made it this far, you're going to keep making it. Why? Because your house is on a firm foundation. You're built to last. You're established. You're, you're built in such a way that you're not blowing over by whatever comes through life. And one house in Jesus' parable, one house stood strong and one collapsed. Jesus, as he does in some of his parables, he, he interprets this parable for us. Though he doesn't leave it ambiguous, he doesn't leave it... He doesn't leave it for us to decide exactly what he's talking about. Jesus goes on and interprets it. And Jesus says very clearly what the foundations are for these two kinds of lives. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, and does them, and does them, is like a man who built his house upon a rock. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not obey them, hears them, but does not obey them, 
is like a man who built his house on sand. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is what we often call the Sermon on the Mount. There's a very similar sermon that Jesus preaches in Luke, preached in a different location. We often refer to it as the Sermon in the Plain. It's likely this is the core of Jesus' message, and he likely preached this message over and over and over again wherever he went as he traveled. In Matthew's version of this sermon from chapter 5 to chapter 7, Jesus lays out the principles of kingdom life. And the passage about these houses and the storm is towards the end of this. As Jesus has, has told of his kingdom and its theology, he then says, if you'll listen to what I'm telling you and obey it, your house will be established. But if you don't obey it, your house is going to be blown away. The sermon begins in Matthew chapter 5 with what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus went on to say that believers are light and they're salt. Jesus said that there are serious sins and he actually began to name them. And he said these serious sins actually begin in our hearts. And really the sins that we're acting out that are destructive begin as matters in the heart. Jesus taught that marriage is sacred and binding. Jesus also in this sermon said to love your enemies. In this sermon, Jesus said, do good for the sake of good and to please God, not so other people can see you do good. In this passage, in this sermon, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, in this sermon, the eye is the lamp to the body, therefore guard what you see with your eyes. Jesus, in this sermon, gave a warning about the dangers of riches. Jesus, in this sermon, gave us an admonition against worry. In other words, Jesus began to lay out a path for how you ought to live your life based on the Word of God. And if your life is built on the Word of God, you will endure whatever storms come into your life. If you will live your life according to the words of this book, if you'll live your life according to the Word of God, your life will be established on a firm foundation. Let the news bring what the news wants to bring. Let the wave come however the wave's going to come. Let the suffering come however it comes. But if you're built on the foundation of the Word of God, your, your life will stand and your, your house metaphorically will stand. You will not be blown away. I'm not saying that life is easy. I'm not saying circumstances are easy. But the difference in a life that is blown away in the chaos and a life that stands no matter how strong the winds are blowing is the life that is built on the Word of God. Jesus said the one that stands is the one that hears my words and obeys my words. I think that we have the most beautiful treasure in all the world. We have the Word of God. We have this document. We have this book. We have this precious revelation that we can read and we can harbor. The psalmist said in Psalm 19, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Again, the psalmist in 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and it is a light to my path. In Psalm 118, he says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Can I encourage you, Dave? to make sure that your life is planted, to make sure that your life is rooted and that it is grounded upon the Word of God. This is the time, like none other, to dig down and make sure you're firmly established on the Word of God. This is a time to make sure that your life is built, that your life is planted on what thus says the Word of the Lord, not based on other things, not based on other concepts, but it is based on the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, We have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Where do we have access to Jesus? And where do we have access to the prophets? We have access to Jesus and the prophets through the written word of God. What the apostle is saying is that what we have learned of Jesus and what has been taught to us by the apostles, we are to build our lives upon it. Can I challenge you new life today? Make sure your life is built on the word of God. You need to get rid of the sand. Scrape away the debris. Scrape away the things that shift. Scrape away the things that are convenient. Scrape away the things that don't cost you anything. Anything. Get rid of the cheap stuff in your life and build on the Word of God. You cannot build on philosophy and you cannot build on politics and you cannot build on personal positions and opinions and you cannot build a life on doubt and skepticism, but you can build a life on the Word of God. You can stand on these promises. The promises of God are yes and amen. What that means is, is that they're not yes and maybe. They're not yes today and, well, they could be yes tomorrow. No, the promises of God are yes and amen. The promises of God are true. Jesus said of the Old Testament, it was the Bible of his day. Jesus said of the Old Testament law, he said not one jot or tittle of that law will pass away until it is fulfilled. You could think of it like this. In a text, in a, in a manuscript, he's saying not one accent mark, not one dot of an I, not one cross of a T is going to pass away until it is all fulfilled. I don't know if you can count on a lot of things. I don't know if you can count on the mayor or the city council. I don't know if you can count on the police. I don't know if you can count on Congress. Quite honestly, at this point, I don't know if you can count on the Constitution. But you can count on the Word of God. It is forever settled in heaven. You can build a life on the Word of God. You can build a family on the Word of God. You can build a church on the Word of God. You can build a life that does not fall over in the storms on the Word of God. Scrape away the debris. Scrape away the sand. and Build a life on the Word of God. The Word of God. This is not hypothetical and theoretical for Jesus. As a man, of course, Jesus was divine. He was fully God and he was fully human. And that, of course, is a great mystery at some level as to how that actually happens. It's beyond our comprehension how those two realities get merged and blended. But this is the reality of the incarnation. 
And in his humanness, he experienced all the things that we as humans experience except for sin and the associated guilt that comes from sin and those consequences. But he experienced what we experience. He experienced temptation. He experienced loneliness. He experienced grief and sorrow. He experienced a full range of, of human emotions. He lived as a single adult. He lived with betrayal. He lived with misunderstanding. He, he had the full human experience. And so this is not hypothetical to Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was led of the Spirit after his baptism into the wilderness for a time of prayer and fasting, the Bible says that the devil came to him and tempted him. And the devil tempted him with shortcuts on how to become a Messiah without doing it God's way. And every time the temptation came, Jesus told the devil, It is written. In other words, Jesus began to quote the Old Testament to the devil. Every time the devil tried to tempt him, Jesus' own life as a human being was rooted and founded in the Word of God. And can I encourage you today that this is the same for us, that our lives are on the Word of God. If you face temptation, if you face a spirit of compromise in your life, if you're struggling with the works of the flesh in your life, you need to stand on the Word of God and you need to say it is written. You need to claim the promises of God and stand on the reality that this Word shall not pass away. You can build a life on the Word of God. You can build a life that resists the storms and the winds and the floods. You can build that kind of life on the Word of God. This wonderful Word of God that we have comes to us through reading scripture it comes through to us through the preaching of the word of god in fact paul told timothy in second timothy chapter one he said hold fast timothy hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in christ jesus we have this written word but we also have the preach word now preachers are not infallible they're human beings but when they preach the Word of God, they are declaring the Word of God and they become vessels. The Bible refers to this as prophecy, inspired speech that comes and it's from the Lord. I want to encourage you to catch on to and to latch on to every word you've ever heard preached. There are promises and there are truths that all of you, most of you have heard preached. I want you to grab hold of every promise of the Word of God. I want you to grab hold of everything that you've ever heard across a pulpit, everything you've ever read in a Bible, and I want you to cling to it. Every word of prophecy, every word of knowledge, every word of wisdom, I want you to hang on to it by faith. You can build a house on the Word of God. You can build a life on the Word of God when the news is confusing and when the protests are confusing and when the diagnosis and the pandemic is confusing. You can build a life on the Word of God. You can stand on this word you can build on this word you can live on this word you can do great things for God built on this word if you hear his words and you obey them you are like a house it's been built on a firm solid foundation hold fast Paul says hold fast hold fast to what you have heard Hold fast to the Word of God in its richness. Hold fast to the Word of God in all of its forms of proclamation. God can speak to you in a moment of prayer. God can speak to you through a song. God can speak to you through an intuition. 
God can speak to you through the gifts of the Spirit. He can speak to you through the preached word. He can speak through you to you through the existence of creation. He can speak to you through reading the word. I'm telling you, you can build a life on the word of God. I don't know what you can build other places, but you can build a life on the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah is trying to call this nation back to repentance. They're about to be carried away into captivity, and not only do they are, are they living in sin and and they won't acknowledge their sin. But they won't acknowledge the word of the Lord that's coming to them either. And Jeremiah's saying, hey, you're going to get carried away. And they're like, no, we're not. He says, yes, you are. And they're like, no, we're not. And he's like, yes, you are. He says, there's no need in fighting this. You just need to go ahead and get carried away. Get this over with. And they're arguing with him. And this is what Jeremiah says in chapter 6. He says, thus says the Lord, stand in the way and see. And ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. And then you will find rest for your souls. What Jeremiah is doing is calling them back to the Word of God. He's calling them back to the old ways. He's not talking about tradition. He's talking about the Word of God that had been delivered to them. He's talking about the prophets that had spoken to them. He's talking about the law of Moses that had been delivered to them. He's talking about psalms that they had sang and worshipped to God. What he's saying is you need to shake yourself. And there needs to be a recalibration in your life. You need to get back to the old ways. New life, can I speak to you today? And particularly the younger generations among us, can I encourage you today? You need to shake yourself from modern philosophy and modern politics and modern senses of what you think or might be justice or injustice. And you need to get back to the Word of God. You need to build your life on the old paths. You need to walk in the ways of God. Walk in the ways of righteousness righteousness walk in the ways of true justice acknowledge that God is true and every man is a liar you can build your life on this stuff you can build a life on this word of God seek after those old ways our Pentecostal forefathers in the early 20th century and all the way through the 20th century actually they took stands on things that sometimes people questioned and they had biblical principles, but they didn't have specific biblical mandates because they were dealing with issues in modernity. These, these specific issues didn't exist when the Bible was written. And so they were taking biblical principles and applying them to modern uh, situations. And, and some people didn't think that that was right, and some people would fight against them, and some people would resist. And what we've seen through the test of time is that the majority of those old-fashioned preachers were right. Majority of those old fashioned preachers had it right. They didn't have education, but they had the Word of God. They had the written Word of God and they had heard from God. It wasn't just words on a page, but they took the page to prayer and God began to speak to them. And now we're realizing as a society, hey, they were on to something, they knew what they were talking about. I want you to know that a foundation of the Word of God will lead us to prayer. And in prayer, God will begin to teach us how to apply that Word. He'll begin to teach us how to put that Word into effect in our lives. This Word of God is a sure foundation for your life. And you need to take it to prayer and say, God, teach me your ways. God, show me your ways. God, how do I live this today? Brother Seth's been preaching and teaching on Wednesday nights from Paul's shipwreck in the book of Acts. And one of the things that, that's sort of at the core of that whole story is this reality that Paul's in a ship and there's all these circumstances and actually before they even got on the ship. But 
there's all these scenarios unfolding on this ship and through the bigger story and there's little stories in the big story and it's this really fascinating thing. But here's the core of the story. Paul heard a word from God. And in the midst of his storm, when everyone else is panicking, Paul is not panicking. Why? He heard the voice of God. You can build your life on the word of God. You can build your, your destiny on the Word of God. You can sail through your storms on the Word of God. You build your house on the Word of God. Let the storms come. Let the winds blow. Let the floods rise. And your house will stand. I want to challenge your new life, Austin. We're going to pray. I'm done in just a few minutes. But we're going to pray. And I want you to seek God for a fresh word for your life. I want you to seek Him for a fresh word for your family. Don't have the tendency to flip off the internet and go grab lunch. But I'm asking you, we need to hear a fresh word from God. Our nation is in turmoil. Our city is in turmoil. Our world is in turmoil. And if there's ever been a time where the church needs to come before God and say, God, I'm standing on this. God, I'm building my life on this. This is the day. This is the hour. God has called our church to this very moment to build our lives not on politics but to build them on the Word of God. I want to challenge you in just a few minutes. Get down on your knees in that home and lift that voice in prayer to God and say, God, I need a word from you. God, I need to hear your voice. God, I need a word of prophecy. I need a word of knowledge. Show me in your word. God, I need a fresh word from you. The Word of God. You can build a life on the Word of God. You can build a life on the Word of God. One of the things that's going to keep you in life is when you can say, like Paul said, I know what God said. There have been times in my life in ministry where I didn't know much of what was going on or which way was up, but I knew what God had said. There's times in all of our lives where we don't have direction and we can't make sense and the particular location we're in doesn't have enough puzzle pieces to make a picture. But we know what God has said. And if God said go, we go. And if God says march, we march. And if God says conquer, we conquer. And we don't stop until God says something else. I want to challenge you. Get a word from God today. You don't need to just get it all from me. You need to seek God and hear that voice of God come fresh. You need to crack open the pages of this book and say, God, speak to me in a fresh today. Can I challenge somebody that's listening today to get beyond the despair that you may feel in this pandemic and get beyond the despair you may feel watching statues come down and get a place of fasting and prayer this week and get a fresh word from God. You're not going to fix a statue and you're not going to fix a protester and you're not going to solve coronavirus, but you can get a fresh word from God. Can I challenge you today, child of God? You may be out of breath and you may be out of strength, but find a word of God this week. Find a place of prayer this week. Find a place to read the word of God and build your house on the word of God. Praise God. Praise God. I want us to pray together. We're going to sing and worship and create an atmosphere for you to do that. But I want us to pray right now. New Life, don't turn, do not turn off that internet right now. Do not go out and get a snack right now. This is a time to pray. I'm telling you that as we lift voices across Austin, Texas together right now, I'm telling you that God can pour out His Spirit 
If you do not have the Holy Spirit, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues right now, as we are all praying together across Austin, I want you to just lift your hands and begin to worship God. And I want you to begin to let God take control of your life. Let God take control of your lips. And I want you to build your life on the promise that says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. New life, would you turn around, kneel down, stand up, whatever you want to do. But would you lift that voice in prayer right now. Come on, new life, join me right now. Gracious God, we come with a hunger in our hearts. We come with a desperation in our spirits right now. God, I'm asking you to break in. I'm asking you to break into homes right now. Come on, lift your voice right now. Come on, that's it. Begin to pray. Begin to ask God to break in. Begin to, begin to just enter His presence with worship and, and you can transition into position to, to petition in a moment. Yes, I can build my life on you, Lord. Oh, yes. I will build my life. Build my life. God, we're trusting for a fresh word from you. We're trusting for a fresh word from you today. We're trusting for a fresh word from you today. Yes, the man who built this house on the rock. The man who built this house on the rock and was able to withstand the floods and the winds and the waves. Would you build your house? Build your house on the word of God today. Encouragement from the Lord today. 